Um, this is, for, for the, y'all that don't know, this is my husband, Matt. Um, this year... I feel like I'm in the inner sanctum. i got to be you honest. Are, you I gotta are. Be, a lot of I don't know if I'm going to get out of here alive. I don't know what the plan is here. Um, you're going to be um, our husband, all, for all of us, and we're going to tell you all vent? of our grievances. Okay. The airing of okay. grievances? No, that's not it. Uh, like the Festivus <laughs> poll in Seinfeld? Yeah, exactly. Um, on April Fool's Day... We will be married 19 years. And um, those are eight of the happiest years of her life. It's true. Actually, seven. Anyway, um, so I had asked Matt to come uh, pray for me before I speak because what I'm going to share with you today is a story about our marriage. And um, I just wanted him to bless me before I share with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for uh, this woman who you prepared for me uh, long before I knew her. And uh, you, you brought us together. You helped us to find each other. Uh, and all the good and bad of that, you've worked through it. And, uh, Father, one of the things that you've done so clearly is you've created an atmosphere of forgiveness in our home that has opened so many doors uh, to us uh, not only living happily and peacefully in our home, but... Uh, really living on mission uh, and, and, and allowing each other to uh, experience the fullest manifestation of who you've made us to be. So I lift up my wife to you right now. I thank you for the forgiveness that she's brought to me and modeled for me. And I, uh, I lift her up as she speaks, to you, uh, uh, speaks uh, for you and pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, just speak through her with power. And I pray for all these women here who also have relationships, husbands, children, and I pray uh, that you would cultivate in all of us in this church and school community this culture of forgiveness that is such, um, such a, a form of freedom for us. Um, we pray that you would you would set us free with that forgiveness, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so it's going to get real up in here. Yeah, it is. That's why he's out. Just buy me a present; everything will be fine. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, Matt and I mer- met over 20 years ago, and he was in seminary at the time. I was a volunteer in a youth ministry, and that's how we met. He was kind of traveling back and forth doing youth ministry. I was already on board as a um, volunteer there. We met. We got to be really good friends. We started hanging out. We thought we thought we were hilarious together. So that was it right there. You know, when you can laugh all the time with someone, it was a big deal. So we started dating while he was in seminary. And um, throughout the course of seminary, um, as we were dating and getting closer, he revealed to me that he struggled with a sexual addiction. Now, at that time in our culture, 20-something years ago, I don't really think we called it that. And it was also kind of before the Internet became as, um, what's it called? Pervasive, yes, thank you, Um, as it is today in our culture. So... I was a young Christian and pretty sheltered and really didn't understand what that meant. And so every once in a while in our relationship, it would kind of pop up. It's like any kind of addictive behavior. You go through a long time of feeling like you're sober. You're without an incident. And then something would happen. Let me back up and say one thing very quickly. 
I'm telling you a story about something that I forgave, but I want you to know that I don't want you to look at me and think, oh, that's just so amazing, because I've been forgiven many things too. So I want you to know that right off the bat. So um, we ended up moving about four years into our marriage to um, a church down in South Miami that turned out to be kind of a pressure cooker. And anytime you're in a situation that's very difficult or intense, you kind of want to run to your hiding place, whatever makes you feel good, whatever your secret sin is. Um, We joke. um, In fact, when we were in counseling, um, when all this was going on later on, you'll hear more of the story, but we joke that, like, my thing would be to go shopping. And our counselor one time said, oh, you mean porn for women. And it's true. You know, we joke about it, but we all run to whatever kind of makes us feel good in that moment. So for Matt, his escape was pornography and other things like that of a sexual nature. So um, when we were in Miami, it had popped up, and I was unsure what to do. Who do you go to as a pastor's wife? Who do you tell? Plus, I really love him. I mean, he's so cute. And um, I knew that there was so much more to him than that addiction. Does that make sense? So you don't want other people to dislike your husband um, because you want them to see all of who he is. Um, Well, some time went by, and um, it became increasingly worse in our home. And it wasn't anything I could put my finger on. I just knew that I was losing him. The mat that I fell in love with was kind of drifting away from me. And so um, I had said to him, if, it, if I find out something, again, if I discover something on the computer, um, I'm going to ask you to leave the house. Boy, that was a big thing to say because not long after that, guess what? I got the opportunity to put my money where my mouth is, and all of a sudden... It came up again, and it was one of those defining moments in my life where I realized if I didn't follow through on what I said I would do, we'd be doing this forever. As an aside, he grew up in an alcoholic family. Um, His dad died of liver cancer. Um, Very tremendously dysfunctional situation, years and years of addiction, that kind of thing. And I'm looking down the road going, I don't want to do that for 50 years. Um, So at that time, I had two little girls, and I said, I need you to leave the house. And then I called um, and spoke to our senior pastor, and um, they kind of removed him out of active ministry at that point, too, until we could figure out what our game plan was. Because, of course, you can imagine if one of your people on your ministry staff's wife has just kicked him out, you don't actually want him, you know, going and leading a meeting, that kind of thing. So... I was devastated. And as as God worked things, my parents were already scheduled to come um, and visit. My parents are a very strong family. They they didn't know anything about this. I never spoke to them about this because, again, your mom finds out something about that. Mm Mm-mm, girl, it's going to get ugly. So, and, and my dad, you know, I just was concerned about how they would treat him, what our relationship would be like going forward. Well, God had already set it up for them to be coming, so when they called, I said, hey, by the way, uh, before you come over, uh, here's what's going on. 
So <clears throat> my parents came ahead, and Matt was out of the house at the time. Um, but he came to be there when they got there. He was at the house when my parents arrived into town. And my dad, who is like the most mild-mannered Midwestern man, he's about this tall, he um, walked in the house and he said, I'd like to talk to Matt by myself, please. And I was like, okay. So, like, my dad is so sweet. He, he couldn't even spank me when I was a kid. He'd be like, I just can't catch her. I don't know. And, you know, and my mom would be... <laughs> and my mom would be like, you get back in there and you get the... <laughs> so... That's my dad. So my dad takes Matt. They go in another room. They shut the door. And I'm just outside. And I'm looking at my mom. I'm like, so, how was your trip? <laughs> and um, my dad sat down. And, and please excuse the reference here, but you'll appreciate it. My dad sits down across from Matt. And he looks at him and he goes, I'm a boob man myself. Now, you have to, my father, I've never even heard him say boob. But it makes sense because my mom has huge. So what was so amazing about that sentence, as weird as it sounds for me to say it to you, was in that one moment my dad said, I understand your struggle. You're not alone. He became, he talks about this too, Matt does. In that moment, my father became his spiritual father. So, it went far worse than I could imagine it going after that. Um, he ended up losing his job. We ended up in the newspaper. Um, well, it does sound sensational, you've got to admit, youth pastor addicted to pornography so everybody's mind starts running and they ran articles comparing him to child molesters and somebody put a blog up about me that obviously I was a frigid witch and that's why my husband was doing these things um, it just taught me a lot about how the media works and how little we know about anything really so after he lost his job we weren't exactly sure what to do, so let's run away. Let's go on vacation for two weeks. So that's what we did. <laughs> we kind of escaped the craziness of what was happening in life for a little bit. We took our two young daughters at the time, and we drove to North Carolina. And we just kind of tried to get our heads clear and figure out what God was going to do, where he was going to put us, how it was all going to work. And one morning I woke up. It was one of the very first mornings we were on our trip. I woke up. And clear as a bell, as if God was sitting right next to me, he said, do you forgive him? I was like, well, no. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I've still got to work on it for a while. And he said, no. Do you forgive him or not? There's no halfway. You either forgive or you don't forgive. That's how it works. And and by the grace of God, honestly, it was by the grace of God, I said, yes, I can forgive him. Because what I wanted more than being right or teaching him a lesson was I wanted him to be free because he was in prison. 
he was in prison and somebody said to me, well, doesn't it bother you that you're the one that had to come forward and you're the one that had to show him what he was doing wrong? I'm like, if you're drowning, don't you want someone to reach in and save you? Don't you? So that's what God enabled me to do in that moment. So I'm going to talk about a few things if you pull out your sheets. I'm going to kind of share a little bit of um, what God did for me and how he um, prepared my heart for forgiveness and what we seek to do even to this day in our marriage. That was like 11 years ago. Um, So here are the first things. Um, Do you have a slide? Okay, good. So the first one, number one, um, is... This is one of the reasons I wanted to forgive was because I wanted dignity versus destruction. I wanted Matt to retain his dignity in Christ versus destroying him. I didn't want to go after him and shame him or anything like that. I just wanted him to be restored. And in order to do this, especially if you're dealing with any kind of um, addiction... You want to live um, with vigilance, number two, vigilance versus suspicion. And Vicki touched on one of my favorite verses in 1 Peter 5, 8, where it says that we have an enemy that's said to destroy us, right? A lion that's prowling around all the time. So does does it surprise us when we sin, when we have people that sin, when we have people that struggle with addiction? We live in this world. It's a fallen place. He's going to trip us up however he can. So what I wanted to do with that vigilance versus suspicion is there has to be accountability. In any relationship, there has to be accountability. But I don't want to live in a home where I'm waiting and I'm watching and I'm just waiting for him to screw up so that I can hammer him. I want to walk alongside of him and help protect him because that's what I would want him to do for me. And that's what he does for me. So that goes along with number three, which is preventing and protecting versus catching. And I think with any behaviors, you can start to see warning signs of when you know that the fall might be coming. Let me go back over three again. I kind of moved quick. Preventing and protecting versus catching. So what that means is um, we put things in place. We check on things. We ask questions. If I, back when it was at its worst, one of the things that was a surefire um, warning sign to me was if he was up really late. I wasn't going to bed with me. Trouble. Um, And so I would just, we wouldn't allow that. We'd help protect each other from that. And then number four, freedom versus onus. Freedom from his sin meant that I wasn't going to walk around waiting for him to earn his trust back from me. I was going to treat him with dignity and love and kindness and gentleness. And don't get me wrong, like I didn't have animated birds flying around me or things like that. There was a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of crying and pain, but... We came out on the other side. 
And then finally, five was um, forgiveness versus a desire for revenge, which means no, none of the, they're going to suffer like I've suffered. You're going to see how you've hurt me. There's no possible way. You know, that's like Jesus saying that to us. There's no way we can understand the love that he has for us and the pain that, that he went through on our behalf. So what that means is that we release the other person and our desire to see them punished. We let that go. Because let me tell you, when he was in that pit, he was in hell. He lived with shame. He felt like a turd. That's what, that's what we use in our home. I know that's classy. But he did. He felt horrible all the time. So he came, he, he, already, he already suffered. You know, I remember when I did something really wrong as a kid, and I walked in and my dad goes, yeah, I'm not going to spank you because you've suffered enough. You have punished yourself today. And it's true. So, before we move to the next thing about forgiveness, I want to tell you what forgiveness is not. Okay, the first thing forgiveness is not is it's not without discernment. What that means is that we don't continue to participate in an unhealthy relationship. Sometimes we have to let the relationship go. You may have to forgive something and move on. That's never the awesomest plan in the world but honestly when I didn't know what was going to happen and I didn't know how things were going to turn out I had to I was on my knees saying okay if we have to live with my parents where am I going to put my kids who's going to sleep in this like I'm working it out I'm thinking it through um so that's the first one is that it, uh, you have to be discerning. It doesn't mean that you keep forgiving someone that's in unrepentant sin. Does that make sense, girls? Okay. We are really good at, at taking things that are really unhealthy and beating ourselves up over them, and that's not what this, this is about. All right. <clears throat> the second thing is it's not a guarantee that your relationship will be healed, which goes along with what I just said. When forgiveness is extended and received, there are some relationships that are so toxic that somehow we just can't sort them out this side of heaven. It just it just won't work. And this happened to me in a friendship where I love the person, but boy, we just made each other messed up. It was some cray-cray stuff going on. Yeah. So, anyway... It, it, it does not guarantee that your relationship will be healed. And thirdly, it doesn't erase the consequences or the collateral damage of what's happened. Okay, I forgave him, and I love him, and he was walking in freedom. And one of the best things that he did for me was he understood when things would freak me out. And that didn't give me license to be an evil witch and go, I can't help it. I'm going to be angry all day today because you've done this to me. But what it did was it helped us be able to communicate and say, um, for example, this is a great one. Uh, I opened our credit card bill. This was like four or five years after all this big stuff had gone on. I opened our credit card bill, read through it, and there was one um, charge, and it was to hands all capitals, H-A-N-D-S, and it was like for an even number, like $75. And I'm like, that's sick feet, you know? Like where you, you really weren't looking to find anything out, but you see something, you're like, oh, what is that? So like, 
I have that nauseous, sick feeling, and I'm like, oh, Lord, please, no, no, no. And I call him up, and I'm like, um, what is this thing that's saying that, you know? And he's like, I have no idea. And, of course, now he sounds like a total liar, right? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. So... He's like, seriously, honey, I do not know. Let me come home and look at it. Well, of all the hilarious things in the world, this parent corporation is for Sexaholics Anonymous materials. So their parent corporation is called Hands, and he ordered all the books for the meetings he went to. (laughs) I'm like, I think they should get a better name. (laughs) Because that's stupid. So sure enough, he pulled the invoice out and showed me, and I went and threw up, and then I was fine. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, but every once in a while, just still have those moments where you don't know what it is, and you guys have them in your marriages sometimes over something. You'll have this flash or this moment, and you'll have this sick feeling. Something's wrong. I don't know what it is. What, what's bring, what, is it a song? Is it a smell? Is it a movie? Whatever it is that kind of pulls you back to that place. And you remember those, that it's like you're there again. So, it doesn't erase the consequences of collateral damage. And it takes time to repair those things. Okay, but here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is mandatory. That means not optional. Okay, being unforgiving is like being in school and deciding to only take the parts of our exams that we want to take and leaving the rest blank and not knowing why we got an F. Okay, let me read this to you. This is Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Right at the end of the Lord's Prayer, it says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So I think he means that. I think he means that. Secondly, forgiveness is unconditional. I love this quote. This is a C.S. Lewis quote. Um, I probably would have said it just like this, but it says, We must really and truly believe in the forgiveness of sins. A great deal of our anxiety to make excuses comes from not really believing in it. From thinking God will not take us to himself unless he is satisfied that some sort of case can be made in our favor. But that is not forgiveness at all. Real forgiveness means looking steadily at the sin. The sin that is left over without any excuse after all allowances have been made. And seeing it in all its horror dirt, meanness, and malice, and nevertheless being wholly reconciled to the man who has done it. That's how I would have said it. Wholly reconciled. And that's what forgiveness is. That's what Jesus did for us. He didn't say, I'm going to forgive you, but you're on restriction. And I mean, you're only partly saved right now. If you prove yourself to me, then you might get to go to heaven. But we haven't decided yet. Okay? Four, forgiveness is freeing. Amen. It is freeing. When we were sitting in our kitchen, one of the very first times we talked after everything had happened, he had drawn up a plan 
and said, here's, you know, he'd been in counseling, I'd been in counseling, and here's the steps, and here's my schedule, and here's this, and here's that, and what do you think? You know, I I want you to look it over, and I want you to see um, if you think that this is workable with our family. And, And I just looked at it all, and I just looked at him, and I said, I don't care. I want you to be free. And we just sat in our kitchen and wept together because that's what I wanted more than anything else was freedom for him. And in seeing him get free, guess what happened to me? I got free. And our marriage became this much more beautiful thing than it ever had been before. Okay, so let me read this to you. Um, well, let me, let me do this six. Six is, or five, sorry. Forgiveness is about restoration. Amen. I'm going to read you a few passages. Because one of the things we've been praying about for so long in regards to this specific topic is we have been praying that God would do big things with this message of forgiveness. You know, we started talking about this, I don't know, five or six months ago. And we had asked God to do amazing things um, with us, through us, and really usually in spite of us. Um, Isaiah, that's Old Testament, right? Okay, good. Okay, so, woohoo. Love, love, love Isaiah 61. I love it, I love it, I love it. Write it down, read it, write it on your arms, whatever you got to do. Soak it in, people. Okay, so I'm only going to read one little section to you, but it's um, this is Isaiah 61, 3, or 2 and 3. It says, To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. When I found out that he had lost his job and the Miami Herald was running a column on us, I sat and I was in my room by myself, not knowing what was going to happen next. And um, I remember sitting there writing in my journal, I don't see how you can take any of this and use it for your good. I don't understand what's going to happen. And guess what? I am a display of his splendor. Not because of me, but because of him. And I want your lives and your marriages and your relationships with one another and your husbands and your moms and your dads to be displays of a splendor. And so we have been just boldly asking and praying for God to do amazing things today, here, in this room. So Vicki had handed you all a piece of paper, and she had talked about what she had hoped for you to do. And so I want to kind of come back around to what she said, which is, I would like for you to just, whatever it is, whatever you're carrying around, if it's a sin that you're struggling with, or really, honestly, you're not even struggling with it anymore, you just do it. If it's that, if it's that you need to forgive someone, and guess what? Sometimes forgiving someone they might not even be sorry that they did it. They might not even realize the pain they've caused. It doesn't matter. That's not what it talks about in Matthew, what I read to you earlier. It just says to forgive. Today can be the beginning of a major change in your lives. 
We have people that are um, happy to stick around and pray with you and talk to you. We are so honored and excited that Hannah can be with us today. Um, She's going to lead us in a time of worship. And this is a different way to end. Normally, we're just loud, crazy, caffeine-riddled, strung-out moms trying to, you know, grab more sugar before we rush out. But so today, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to, to leave quietly. You do not have to stick around. If, if this is, you know, you're getting the message and you, you feel like you need to contemplate more, that's fine. But let me tell you one thing. When you walk out those doors, you enter crazy land again. And this moment, all this, this time, and whatever Jesus is doing, it kind of gets shoved aside as soon as you walk out the door. It just does. It's just because we've got a lot going on. So Listen even if you just need to sit and worship. And, and as Hannah sings, if you know the song, sing along. But what we want is a time of worship, a time of repentance, a time of prayer. We are not going to DNA test the strips of paper that you stick on the cross because we already have gotten handwriting samples, so we know anyway. Um, but what we want is it's symbolic, okay? We, we don't think anything magical is going to happen here. But I'm going to tell you when I went through my stuff, I did this in my brain about 7 million times a day. Kept handing it to Jesus, handing it to the Lord, handing it to him. And that's, that's all he asks for us to do. So I'm going to pray, and then you guys take a few minutes. Just please, I encourage you, I implore you to be quiet. And if you need prayer... Um, There's going to be some of us in that very back room to pray with you. But I encourage this to remain a worshipful place. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And I pray for victory today. Victory in the lives of these precious, precious daughters of yours, Father. I pray for you to move in amazing ways to change things in ways that they think would never be possible. And they wouldn't except for your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you because they are displays of your splendor and your grace. For those women that are sitting there today, Father, I pray, those that are sitting in ashes, that you would remove those ashes and give them beauty, Father. We know that you alone can save. You alone can forgive. You alone give us grace. And so, Father, we pray today that your Holy Spirit would pour out over us. That we would walk out these doors and we would be different. That we would drop our guard. And that we would run to you, Jesus. That we would run to your cross. In your name we pray. Amen. So while Hannah sings, you can go ahead and start, hon. While she sings, y'all can come up if you want and put your papers on the cross.